Have you ever experienced a time of struggle that affected your perception of God, or maybe it impacted your relationship with Him? We can call ourselves bitter, rejected, depressed. We might call ourselves angry. Maybe you're in a moment where you're wrestling with the Lord, and maybe you've been in a place where you drug yourself to church. You like had to force one foot in front of the other. We've all experienced a moment where we thought, you know, wait, where's that favor, Lord? Welcome back to another episode of the She Chooses podcast. Do yourself a favor, go grab your earbuds, grab a notebook, get yourself another cup of coffee because we are getting ready to dive in. Hey guys, my name is Jessica Hartzold and I am obsessed with all things Jesus. I am a lover of my Bible and a pursuer of our Lord, but I am also a woman who makes mistakes and doesn't always get it right. I haven't always been a follower of Jesus. Boy, have I not. However, during one of the most difficult times of my life, God illuminated for me the power of a choice and this gift of free will. She Chooses is a podcast purpose to help you fall in love with Jesus. And in doing so, learning how to harness this gift of free will by taking life one choice at a time. Let's get started. We're looking at the book of Ruth through the lens of the bride of Christ. What are we finding in this book about Jesus? What is he revealing to us? As children of God, we're not exempt to times of loss, and we are certainly not exempt from times of struggle. Too often, people look at Christians like we're living in a cloud. Our lives are nothing but unicorns and sunshine, but Those of us trying to live a life for Jesus, we know this is absolutely so far from the truth. We all experience these times of pain. Today, we are hopping into our third episode in this journey, and it has been so fun to dive in and dig and see what we can really glean from this powerful word. We've seen a lot. We've seen Elimelech, the life of a backslider. A backslider is someone who chooses to leave the promise of God, who walks away from the life of God towards the world. We've seen Orpah, Naomi's daughter-in-law. When asked to really count the cost of following Naomi to Bethlehem, we saw her act just like the rich young ruler. This cost, it became too much for her to bear, and she turned around and she went back to Moab. We looked and we saw Naomi, this repentant soul, who stepped outside of the promised land, she comes to herself and she wants to turn back home. As we've been in this journey, we've also seen some really uncomfortable things. Today, we're also going to see just a little more discomfort. You know, no one's life is, is perfect, even though we like to pretend that that is the case. It's really not. Struggle, it happens to all of us. And in today's episode, we're going to see Naomi. She's opening up about her circumstance. We talked last episode about Naomi turning back to Bethlehem. She made her decision to go home. We looked at this as a picture of what true repentance is and how it's a pattern for all of us to follow. Once we decide to repent, there's always going to be a challenge. 
you know, the devil, he's not going down without a fight. I have not always lived a life for Christ. You know, I always grew up knowing that there was a God, but I certainly did not live my life for him until I was about the age of 20. When I made that determination, it seemed like everything was stacking against me. And it it honestly, it felt like, oh my word, you know, I decided to live for God and my life truly is unraveling. You know, what I thought was going to be now isn't at all. And I know that's not the case for everyone. Praise the Lord. There are some of you listening. You have lived your entire life for God. And that is a beautiful, beautiful testimony for anyone to have. So you may not be able to connect with me at this point, but some of you certainly can. And in these moments, it's a little bit tempting to think, you know, I should have stayed where I was because everything is coming at me right now, you know, living life as I was. We read in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they did this multiple times as they were journeying through the wilderness. How many times did they challenge Moses and say, we should have stayed in Egypt? We keep saying this over and over and over again, and I will say this to anyone who is willing to listen. Sanctification is a process. It is not one and done moments. It is not a one and done moment. It is an evolution. It's a process. We're not going to see this perfection that we're seeking this side of heaven. Understanding and accepting this truth, we have to understand there is constant refining that's happening in our lives. God desires to work that within us because he's desiring to transform us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 is one of my treasured verses. I love it so much. It says this, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit. When I look at this verse, I I read it and I imagine, you know, to get to the next glory that God is trying to take me to, there are things I've got to learn. There's things that we have to learn, pieces of us that they've got to be refined. And that involves those less of me, more of you moments where our identity can be a little cloudy in our own eyes. And we see this happen in our focus for today. Right now, we're going to jump in and we're going to read Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 and 21. This is what it says. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? I wonder, have you ever had a misconception of who God is or had a moment where you questioned his goodness? This is what we're seeing happen right here. Naomi, she's calling herself bitter. She says, I went away full and I came back empty. My life was really great. And then I went to Moab. The reality here, when they left, they were escaping a famine. But she went out full. She declares it. She had things when she left. It reminds me of the prodigal son. Before he left the promised land, before he left his father's home, he asked his father for his inheritance. And then he left. He left for his own sort of Moab, which involved riotous living and partying and craziness. And then he comes to himself and he realizes, wait a second, home. My life at home was better than where I'm living now. He left full 
and he went home empty. Naomi here leaving full and coming back empty along with this prodigal's message. It's a powerful example of the things of this world. They truly do pass away. They don't give us true joy. We can run after them thinking that we're going to find joy. We're going to find contentment. We're going to find whatever it is we can stuff in this gaping hole we all have within us. But it doesn't work out. Because things of this world will never satisfy us. Because it's only Jesus that is ever going to satisfy. He is our true source of joy. He is our true source of contentment. God, he calls us to lay up treasures in heaven. We can't put our confidence in things of this world, can we? Naomi and Elimelech, they tried. The prodigal, he tried. But what we find there is it's the spiritual things that matter most. Our relationship with Jesus, you know, staying in the promised land. I love the story of Mary and Martha. When Martha was annoyed telling Jesus to make Mary help Martha clean up and prep, Jesus said Mary chose the good part, and that wasn't going to be taken from her. You know, Naomi and Elimelech, they were distracted or persuaded by the worldly, but what we see here is Naomi turning back to the good part that she knows can't be taken from her. God, he really, truly desires to empty us of worldly things in order to fill us with himself. In verse 20 that we read previously, she said, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me bitter. She said, call me Mara, which means bitter. What do we think of this statement? Have you ever felt this way? Maybe you're in a moment where you're wrestling with the Lord and maybe you've been in a place where you drug yourself to church. You like had to force one foot in front of the other and said, I am going no matter what I feel. What I love about this is Naomi, she is not hiding her current state. Oftentimes bitterness, it will take hold of a person and they are absolutely blinded by it. And I know all of us have encountered someone like this. Often it's everyone around them that can see this seed of bitterness has become planted within them and they can't. They're totally oblivious and they're not acknowledging it at all. But here Naomi, she is owning it. And we often want to criticize her for what she says. But if we're honest, we would admit we've all experienced a moment where we thought, you know, wait, where's that favor, Lord? She's struggling. She's experiencing a struggle that involves an identity crisis of sorts. And this is common. We can all run into this. And Naomi, she shows us some key things to walking a painful path like this. And we see it specifically at the tail end of that verse, because she says, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? She said, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. The Lord brought me home empty. The Lord caused me to suffer. The Almighty has sent tragedy upon me. The things that we have to key in on this is, yes, she is not sure who she is in this moment or where she stands with God. And some of her perception of God is off. However, what she's doing that we need to follow is she is acknowledging God's sovereignty. She is calling him the Almighty and she declared him that twice. What she's learning here is she's learning a lesson on how to suffer. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 in the Amplified Version says this, 
And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble produces patient endurance and endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity and proven character, hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This verse shows us the progression of suffering. Suffering, none of us want to suffer. There are people that suffer beautifully and they're able to progress through this and get to the the good work it produces. And that feels really yucky to say, but suffering really does lead to something beautiful. And we have in those moments of suffering, we do have a choice. Are we going to press on or not? We've talked about this a bit already. We have to learn to push through, to continue to reach for God in in painful circumstances. There, There is a struggle with faith. Faith is not for the faint of heart. We have to press forward as we find Naomi, she eventually does. And what we find is tribulation works patience. In this small snippet, she changes her name from Naomi to Mara. God didn't change it. She changed it on her own. She took that on as her new identity. She's the one that slapped that label on herself. She called herself that. And we've done that same thing. We've called ourselves depressed. We've called ourselves angry. We've called ourselves anxious. We've called ourselves a mess. You know, we've called ourselves addicted. We've called ourselves sorrowful. We've called ourselves so many terrible labels. And God doesn't call us those things at all. She called herself bitter. And that is a big, crazy deal because Hebrews gives us a warning against bitterness. Bitterness is something none of us want in our life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness is a big deal. Bitterness, if we allow it to be rooted in our life, it doesn't stop at us. It says there, it says, and thereby many be defiled. We we try to garden in our yard and, and we love it and we're learning and all of that. And one thing, every time I look at around our home and our landscape or in our garden is weeds. Every time I see a weed, I draw my kids their attention to it. And I said, hey, that's what sin does in our life. You know, that little weed will start out very, very small. And then eventually before we know it, it spreads. And we've got to continue. It's this continual work to keep sin out of our landscape of our life, you know, out of us. Um, Because the more you allow those weeds to thrive, the bigger they get. And then whenever those weeds go to seed, we find that, hey, there's a life within those things. They can lay dormant for like 20 to 30 years. And that is insane whenever you think about the root of sin and bitterness within our lives. And we see different waves of weeds coming in around our landscape. And that too, it is an example of sin. So gardening, you know, getting off the, the root tangent there. Um, you, can't, you can't hack those weeds off at the surface. You can't kill it that way. Because it's just going to come back. It's just going to spread. It's just going to pop up again. It's just going to drive you nuts. To get rid of it, you have to get to the root. And that is what the scripture is saying. Get that out by the root. No root can get in there. 
because that root, it springs up and it defiles things. It impacts a lot. There are weeds that have that dormant life of 20 years and they spread, which is what this verse is saying. So friends, we got to get that out before it has the opportunity to spread. Luke chapter 17, verse six. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. Why does Jesus talk about that sycamine tree and, and what is the significance of that mustard seed? Before we jump right to the relevance of that sycamine tree, it's important to know that in this parable specifically, Jesus is talking to his disciples about bitterness and unforgiveness. Researching the sycamine tree, I found the following. This tree has a deep and intricate root system. Its fruit is extremely bitter. It's not naturally pollinated and its wood used to be preferred for making caskets. So now we've isolated these four interesting facts about the sycamine tree. Now I want to take a moment and let's process these things. Again, remembering Jesus is discussing bitterness and unforgiveness in correlation to this sycamine tree. Let's compare this tree to that same bitterness and forgiveness. The first point I want to drill out or point out to you is that that tree, it had intricate roots. These two things have a way of entering our lives, bitterness and unforgiveness. They enter into our lives and they spread intricately throughout different areas. They take root. We become angry and they can have a way of changing our outlook on life and causing us to be physically and emotionally drained as they begin to work and to weave their way all throughout our being, just like the roots of that tree, so intricately intertwined. The second point I brought out is that the fruit of this tree is extremely bitter. A person eating this fruit, they have to take those little itty bitty bites and it has to be consumed slowly to this point how are we when we are bitter and unforgiving maybe better yet that's a question that we should ask our families or our friends do people really want to be around us when we're demonstrating characteristics of a bitter person or an unforgiving person or are we a lot like a person trying to eat that fruit. People can only be around us in small doses because our bitterness is just too much to take. Yeah, if we're honest with ourselves, the level of bitterness and unforgiveness in our life, it can drive the ones that we love, the ones that we're closest to away, and they may not want to spend time with us. So many different reasons that that bitterness, that sting can take place. We were wronged in one way or another. The fourth characteristic of this tree that I brought out is that wood was preferred for making caskets. It was used to carry someone to their grave. It really can cause our bodies to be physically sick. Our mind can be consumed. It can lead us into a place of depression. And I, those things just have a way of leading us down to this unhealthy state physically and emotionally. And it really can hurt us. And so think about this, you know, what is bitterness? What really is bitterness? Bitterness is 
it's like harbored resentment. You know, it's this anger that starts to poison us from the inside. It's lack of forgiveness. It is like being stuck in your mind on on replay. You know, we've all had moments of pain that we just like, we get mentally consumed by it and you're hearing it, you're seeing it over and over and over again. You're telling the story over and over and over again. And you get to this place where you look at whoever has harmed you and you like you want bad things to happen to them. You really want um, retaliation. You want them to get what's coming to you. That is what bitterness does. And, and that is something that is absolutely horrible. We cannot allow that to take over our mindset. You know, we, we need to start looking for what are those indicators that a seed of bitterness has been planted within us? You know, we get sad, we get angry, we can't function, we can't get out of bed, we become, super, we become super controlling, you know, and again, we start going through these things in our mind, and we can't get out of it. This is what Naomi was calling herself. She was calling herself bitter. However, she's still going to God. Yes, she's acknowledging this is a struggle that I'm facing right now, but I'm still pressing on to my God. She did not forget God in this painful circumstance. She is calling him Almighty. She is calling him her Lord. You know, and that is what I really want us to key in on today is though, yes, struggle happens, but we have got to continue to focus ourselves on less of calling ourselves these labels, these names, and more of calling on the names and attributes of God. God is almighty. He is our El Shaddai. He is all that we need over every circumstance we face. He is almighty. He is always sovereign. He is always our great provider. He is our all in all. He is the answer to every question we have. He is everything. And when we start to declare those things, when we're walking through these painful struggles, this will shift our mind off of our circumstance and onto the glorious God that we are pressing onto. And this can help us in these times to really draw our mind away from that bitterness that we're tempted to allow to be rooted within us and get us back to who he says he is. We start listing them out. We call on the Hebrew names of God. And that is where that shift begins to take place. Naomi. She's not a perfect pattern for us. You know, she did label herself wrong. She did have a moment where she didn't understand who she was in him. But that's okay. What, what she shows us is circumstances of life are indeed painful. But acknowledge that pain and acknowledge God's sovereignty and still continue to walk towards him. That is what matters most. All right, guys, we are at the point of this episode where the rubber meets the road. And now we're going to do this part where we start to apply. I've got some things for you to take with you and to consider over the next few days until our next episode rolls around. Um, questions for us to consider. Have you ever had a misconception of who God is? Have you come to a place in your relationship with him where you have questioned his goodness? Maybe you're in that place right now. If so, I want you to take it to God. 
Confess your misconception. Confess where you are, your thoughts of what's happening. Confess it to him. Lay out your feelings before him and make sure you circle back to the truth, declaring no matter what your circumstance is, God, we know your word says that you are good. We are standing on that truth. No matter what our eyes see or our emotions are trying to say, God, you said you are good and I am reaching for your goodness. I am declaring your goodness over this situation. The next point I want us to consider, Naomi. Naomi called herself bitter. I wonder if you're finding yourself where you too are in a place where you are, are guilty of labeling yourself. A moment of struggle, it's laid in, and your identity in Christ has now become clouded. The circumstance surrounding you, it has, it's got your focus, and it's somehow become bigger than God in your mind. If that's where you are, dig into your Bible. Look for scriptures that declare who God says you are and begin speaking them. Pray them back to him. When we dig into the word, we find he calls us things like this. He calls us chosen, royalty. We are redeemed. We are precious. We are accepted. We are strong. We are unique. We are created for purpose. We are protected. We are forgiven. We are valuable, wonderfully made, blessed, and highly favored. We see magnificent things that God says about us that are completely opposite of the things that we are saying about ourselves. The next thing I want us to consider is maybe you're in a place where you're dragging yourself to church. If you are, keep moving. Keep going. Don't give up in this time of struggle. Fellowship with like-minded believers is absolutely necessary. No matter what our culture says about the necessity of church attendance, get yourself to church. Don't make yourself an island just like Naomi did initially. She forced herself back to the promised land. She saw her need to get back to her people, to her God, and it took her one foot in front of the other. As we're going to begin declaring who God says he is. We draw out specifics when we confess the Hebrew names of God. Yes, Jesus is God, and there is power in the name of Jesus, and there is power on focusing on that beautiful name, and there is also power whenever we start meditating, we start thinking about what exactly does that mean? And those Old Testament Hebrew names of God, they give us some insight. What is it that we are declaring? Like the name of Jesus is huge. Give me some specifics that I can really dial into. And when we do, we find these these characteristics, they help us get off of who, who we think we are onto who he is, which in turn helps us to believe our identity in him. And we look at those Hebrew names and we start confessing, God, you are my El Shaddai. You are the almighty God. You are my El Elyon. You are the most high God. There is no God that comes before you. There is no God above you. You are the most high God. We start declaring, God, you are Jehovah Nisi. The Lord, my banner, a banner of victory over every circumstance. I know you as my Jehovah Rapha. That is what you have declared yourself as. You are the Lord who heals. You are going to heal this situation. And I know you, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And I am proclaiming all of these things that you are almighty. You are most high. You are my banner. You are the healer. You are my provider. And we start to declare these things and we see that our mind, there is a shift in the atmosphere around us. There is a shift in our attitude and these wonderful things about him start to make that circumstance we're walking through. Yes, it's still there, but suddenly 
our perspective is where it needs to be and our demeanor, our our position, our posture is now focused up to this great God we serve rather than being positioned down to focus on the circumstance that's trying to overwhelm us. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. Thank you for taking time to listen. I hope over the next few days, you'll take some time and really think about what we just went over. Look for a way to apply it. It's when we activate the word that we really start to step into the life that Jesus desires for us to live, that authentic Christian living. If you found this episode helpful, share it. And please leave a review. When you do, you help elevate the She Chooses podcast in the search results of others, making it easier for them to find. And if you're like me and you like to digest information in varying forms, you can find the full episode transcript on the She Chooses website. Check out the show notes for a direct link. And hey, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe, making sure you never miss an episode.